Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. The crow flies Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I am your host tonight, Brian Tarvin. Not sure if I'll have a co-host, but if we don't, that's okay tonight. A lot to talk about. At 9 p.m. Eastern, Coach Derek Lett from Tennessee will be with us to to discuss the huge win in Columbia last night. A lot of people turned the game off, thought it was over. Well, Tennessee came back to win with some great play from quarterback Dobbs. So a lot to talk about with Coach Lett. Glad to have him back on the program tonight. We're going to discuss a little bit of what went on today in the NFL, and then we're going to get right to college football. I'm excited. I know you are. A lot has taken place. We're going to project what we think the committee's top ten will be, as well as give you ours as well. So the committee sees it just a slight bit different than I do, and and that's okay. We can't all agree on everything. But we'll see. Alabama was idle this week. A lot of discussions about they were number six in the committee's poll on Tuesday night. They didn't play um, Ole Miss loss, which usually would mean that Alabama should move up. But don't be surprised. We'll talk about it. TCU sneaks in there at the number five spot, and Oregon crawls into the number four spot. In another debate, will Florida State – Drop down to number three and Auburn to number two. We'll discuss that, which I don't think it will, but we'll we'll see what everybody wants to do and what everybody thinks. But, man, a great, great weekend of college football. And it's November, and, we, and we've talked about it on this show all year. Wait till November. Wait till November. And you'll see teams like Ole Miss that, that is a very, very good football team. This Their schedule sets up nicely for them to make a run at the SEC championship. And guess what happens? The injury bug hits, and it's just so hard in this league to to play and, and be healthy week in and week out. When you lose four or five players or maybe a couple of players are trying to play and maybe they would sit out, if they had the schedules of some of these other teams and other conferences. But that's not a luxury you get in the SEC West. You saw Tunsil, Ole Miss's best offensive lineman missed the game last night with injuries. The starting linebacker, Kim Dietschy, was out. So anytime you have problems up front and you, you start missing offensive linemen, especially a linebacker, is actually the quarterback for the defense. So when he misses, then it's just, it's just hard. And that's not an excuse why they lost, but it's just an example in November you have to be, in order to, to make it to this Final Four, you're going to have to have some depth at key positions. And and I think that's where Alabama is going to benefit. And honestly, I think that's where Auburn could benefit if they can get past this, this tough schedule. But Ole Miss, a couple years of recruiting, some top-tier recruiting, they're almost there depth-wise. But when you start losing these top-tier players and there's no backup behind them, that gets tricky, especially when you're playing in November. And the Ole Miss, congratulations, a great, great game last night. Treadwell, Treadwell, the best receiver, probably one of them in the SEC, if not the country, went down at the end of the game last night with a broken leg and a, I think a dislocated ankle maybe. Um, just a, a terrible scene. And he fumbled before he got into the end zone and, 
and the game was over after that. So hope he and, and everybody out there, if you love college football, you never want to see, you know, another player injured, no matter if it means you win or you lose. But I, I just hate to see a kid of this talent go out like that. And, and another thing I want to talk about tonight is, is where will Ole Miss go from here? A lot of football left to be played. And here they are sitting without their best receiver, losing two games in a row. And and honestly, they're probably out of the college football playoff. There's not going to be a, a chance for them to come back, I don't think, in order to get into their losing two in a row. But you look at it, what are they going to play for? Are they going to look at it and say, we can beat Mississippi State at the end of the season and ruin their year and finish 10-2? and two? Or Are they going to pack it in? And you see a team with a lot of injuries right now. And they, they, they play Presbyterian this week, and then they get a bye week. So really, you know, two full weeks goes by from so 11-8 to 11-22 before they go to Arkansas on the road, and then they come back home from Mississippi State. So they're going to be Presbyterian regardless. It's not even going to be a game. But they they get a week off to kind of heal up some of these injuries and, and uh, get back to winning. Going to Baton Rouge last week, really got this team beat up. And they came in the home last night, and Auburn was just too much on the offensive side of the ball for them. You look at an Ole Miss defense that gives up not much at all, about 10 points a game, and Auburn put up 500 yards and 35 points. So what did some of that come from some people being banged up? Probably. I mean, it's, I mean it probably did. I mean, I can't just sit here and say it didn't because some of it did, but Auburn executed very well, and we'll discuss that game in a few moments, and we'll get into our college football segment. But first, in the NFL today, just a couple things. We're not going to go in detail about the NFL because the games weren't that great, but the Dallas Cowboys did lose at home without Tony Romo, 28-17. to uh, Arizona just continues to find ways to win. Dallas was competitive for a while, but at the end of the day, this Arizona team is the best team in the West. And with Seattle looking like garbage today in, uh, in the last few weeks, San Francisco losing at home to St. Louis, Arizona could could by default win this win this division. I mean, this was supposed to be the toughest division out there, but San Francisco and Seattle look like a bunch of bums out there trying to play football. So I really don't – I'm not concerned about them. Anytime you've got a quarterback like Kaepernick, he's not definitely a true leader. And Russell Wilson, I think he's too quiet to be a leader. So here's two teams without leaders that I trust, you know, calling the snaps. So Arizona, congratulations for being a, a good football team and winning the right way and playing consistent. So just wanted to touch on that one. The Chiefs take care of the struggling Jets, 24-10. to 10. Um, what a game that was, really. Wow. I, I mean, I look at the schedule today in the NFL, and, and usually I can watch the NFL and and stay awake. But today I was nodding off trying to stay awake to watch some of these games. So the 430 game came around, Denver-New England. I thought that was going to be a thriller, but New England comes in at home and they destroy Denver 43-21. to Tom Brady, ever since... We wrote him off for dead after that Monday night football game at Kansas City. All he's done is play like he's 27. I mean, this guy has, has resurrected his career, and he's leading New England to some huge offensive numbers. 
So congratulations to the New England Patriots. Denver is going to be there at the end. There's no doubt about it. They're going to be in the playoffs. But why this game was so important today is once we start getting later into the season, this home field advantage you start thinking about in the playoffs. And New England is a team that is very, very hard to beat in January. When you when you go up to Foxborough, it's, it's just almost impossible to win there. And so New England going to Denver for an AFC championship game or Denver coming to New England, I mean, that's, that's, some, that's a big deal in my opinion. And if you look at the standings right now, that's what I was trying to pull up before my computer froze on me. New England 7-2 and two right now with a one-game lead over Buffalo and Miami. That division is tight, but I, I see no issues. I, I see no threat for Buffalo and Miami to catch New England. The Jets 1-8. and eight. That's just a terrible start. You win one out of your first nine games. That's terrible. Denver 6-2. and two. Only a game up on Kansas City, so there we go. At the end of the season, if New England and Denver have the same record, they're going to go to head-to-head, and the Denver Broncos just lost to New England. So we'll we'll touch on this. We'll follow this because I think we're going to go back and circle this game when the playoffs come, and this is going to be a huge game. But Peyton Manning going on the road to Foxborough, sometimes he struggles in bad conditions, and today he did, threw several picks that – uncharacteristic of him unless he's playing in Foxborough. So the NFL recap, like I said, not a lot. The Minnesota Vikings get a huge win over Washington, 29-26. to This was important because RG3 came back today. Do I think it was early? A little bit probably. But you go on the road on Monday Night Football and you beat Dallas in their place. And then you, what do you do? Bench the quarterback that won the game. Colt McCoy's out. But I know you gave up your entire franchise to get RG3, so you want him to earn that paycheck. I get it. But sometimes you just need to go with a hot hand. And I would have loved to see Colt McCoy to see what he could have done on the road today at Minnesota. But Minnesota takes it, and they're, Minnesota's not a bad football team. They're, they're playing some good football at the right time right now. And another game I'll recap again. I just want to announce it just so everybody can hear it. St. Louis Rams 13, San Francisco 10. Kaepernick fumbled at the goal line at the end of the game. Trey Mason gets close to, I think he has like 70-something yards. This guy's a rookie, and he's doing a great job making the Auburn Nation proud. Um, just St. Louis, they all they do is find ways to win, and you never know when they can come up and sneak up and win a division, but they're going to need some better play all around on their offense. Their defense finally got some sacks today. And exciting stuff, but maybe next week in the NFL will be a lot more exciting, but today was just a bad day in general for the NFL. And that's why I spent 10 minutes on it tonight. And I felt like I've, my listeners out there are growing frustrated having to hear about this sorry NFL action that we had today, but – you know, you want to talk about a game, Pittsburgh tonight at home against Baltimore. This is the kind of football game I like to watch, um, recording it so I can watch it afterwards. But Pittsburgh's at home, Ben Roethlisberger, I just want to see how he comes back from his 1,000-yard passing last weekend, it seemed like. He was unbeatable. He looked the, the be- He looked better than I've ever seen him look. So we'll see how he follows that up. I know when you get older, sometimes you're not as consistent. So we'll see. These two teams love each other. They hate each other. They respect each other. I mean, it's just a big rival. 
and I think both teams will play their best tonight. So let's move on to what we do best here. Uh, college football yesterday, um, the, the games weren't that great early, but they started getting better starting at 3.30, and that's when the game kicked off that, that everybody is still holding their mouth open like, what happened? Florida comes into town, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, neutral site, the cocktail party, playing Georgia. Everybody in the world had Georgia winning this game. But if you remember on the show Wednesday night, I was I was concerned about this for Georgia because here we have a team that has a lot of talent. They they actually can play defense. And here we have a Georgia team that, that hasn't played anyone yet. Now we, I look at this game and I just scratch my head and I wonder – you know, with Harris playing quarterback, is there any shot that they can move the ball? And move the ball they did. They ran for over 400 yards on the Georgia Bulldog improved defense. That's all I kept hearing was the defense was so improved. Uh, they're back. They're, they're running the ball without Gurley. And Mark Rick does what Mark Rick does best. He chokes in November. And here we are the first time in November Mark Rick lays a big egg, and he didn't just get beat. He got stomped into the ground by Florida, their biggest rival really besides Auburn. And this game is huge. And, and it's probably bigger the Florida game is because it's in the same division. So Georgia just kissed the SEC championship game goodbye. And it's a shame because you have a schedule that week and you you lay an egg to Florida. At your home, I mean, it wasn't at your home, but still is a neutral field. And I've never seen Florida run for 400 yards. I didn't think that was even possible to get to get 400 yards put up on your defense by a, an offense in Florida that just can't move the football. Now you got to remember, Florida lost to Missouri 42 to 14. They got beat at home by LSU. I mean, Alabama just took them behind the woodshed. I mean, this team has been beaten and beaten good. And all of a sudden now, here we're looking at them with an outside, just a backdoor chance to get into the SEC championship. But the funny thing is, you look at this, and Missouri, a team that lost to Indiana at home, is probably more than likely going to be playing in the SEC championship game, which is an embarrassment. Nobody in the East can seem to get it done. Georgia lays another egg, 38-20. to 20, They get out. They get beat. And they get outscored in the second half, 24-13. to 13, And they were outscored in the first half, 14-7. to 7. I, I just don't get it. I, I do not get it. Mason, 26-41, uh, 319 yards and a touchdown. Chubb got his, 156 yards and a touchdown. He also received 59 yards and a touchdown. But Taylor for Florida, 25 carries, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Harris, he he didn't do a great job throwing the ball. He only threw six passes, three for six, 27 yards. But this Florida team came out and made a statement, which makes me wonder, going forward, is there any chance Florida can can just keep this up now, this momentum you know, start beating teams and go into Tallahassee and win. And another question I asked myself, was beating Georgia enough to keep your job, Will Muschamp? That's the, that's the question. And I was happy for Will Muschamp because I've seen a man get tormented and beat down by the media. His fans were chanting, fire Will Muschamp during a game. His kids were there listening to that. 
but this man has done nothing but handle it gracefully, and he, he kept a focus about him and his team. And, and you know, they, they came out and they played together. Those players played for him yesterday, which made me made me kind of wonder if my statement was incorrect that Will Muschamp lost the locker room because obviously Will Muschamp hasn't lost the locker room for them but to be able to come up and get up for a game and play for him. But, I mean, he's done a lot of bad in the last couple of years, Will Muschamp has, ever since that Sugar Bowl loss to Louisville. They've underachieved. They've been embarrassed, humiliated. I mean, they lost to Georgia Southern, for God's sake, last year. So beating Georgia, a team that's known to choke in November, is that enough to keep you? And we're going to find out. Foley is probably smiling right now and saying, look, I, I stood behind this guy. And if you're a coach out there, if Will Muschamp does get fired, at least you know that Foley is a, a guy that's loyal to his coaches. Very loyal to his coaches. And that's one thing I would look for if I was going to Florida, besides the fans being a bunch of jerks and, and spoiled brats, that, you know, the, the AD is there to support me and he's not going to run me out after my first couple of losses. So Will Muschamp gets a big win in the SEC, holds his job for another week. I don't know if it's enough to keep his job, honestly. There's a lot of things that's going wrong this year, and I don't know if one game is going to be enough because you never know with a team like Florida, they could drop the ball tomorrow, next week, and lose to, to Vanderbilt, God forbid. But it could happen. But Florida State, you know, look at, looking at them, looking at Florida State, you know, they may need Florida to be strong right now going into the Final Four uh, in the playoffs. So I apologize if you heard my dog bark in the background. Hopefully we can take care of that momentarily. But very proud to see Florida win. I know a lot of Georgia fans listen to the show. It's bad for you, but it's 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 awful it's awful good for college football right now. And and Auburn goes to Georgia in the next couple of weeks. I hope Georgia plays exactly like they did yesterday when we go there. But I have a funny feeling they won't. And Thursday night game, Florida State forty two, Louisville thirty one. We talked about this game Wednesday night. Florida State, all they do is find a way to win. But, you know, Louisville, to me, are they a top 25 team? No, I, I just didn't think they were. Honestly, they, they fought hard. They played Florida State tough. They got up 21 to nothing, and Florida State found a way to win. Part of it was Louisville giving them the game. Part of it was part of it was Florida State not quitting. And that's, that's one thing I look for when I look for a champion is you find ways to win. And Florida State, no matter if you like Winston, you like Jimbo Fisher, you hate him, whatever, they know how to win football games. And I was hoping that, that somebody would beat Florida State because you look at that schedule they play, they don't play a schedule. So Florida would be the toughest game they play probably for the rest of the season. I know they do go to Miami, but this is the same Miami team that lost to Nebraska by 14 points. I don't think Florida State's worried about Miami too much, but it looks like Florida State's going to cakewalk in to the national semifinal or the the final four and actually represent the ACC. And God, I mean, you look at somebody like Ole Miss sitting out there with with two losses right now. You put them in that schedule that Florida State has, and they're probably undefeated, looking good as well. But that's one thing, you know. Trey's the co-host of this show, and we talk about it. Looking at Florida State's schedule, I've, I'm just not that impressed. 
with who they play. It's not their fault who they play. They play, you know, their conference. But beating Duke in the ACC championship is not really going to be too much of a challenge, I wouldn't think so. Or at least, let me put it this way, I'd hope not. But but we'll see. November's a crazy month. If you if you like upsets in college football, if you think you know anything about college football and you're ready to predict who's in the Final Four, good luck to you because there's nobody out there that can predict what's about to take place in the world of college football. And we'll we'll look at our games right now. We're going to talk with Coach Lett coming up at 9 o'clock. His Tennessee Volunteers went on the road to South Carolina, took care of business. Uh, Kentucky on the road to Missouri. Missouri took care of them. And these games are on our list of 10 that we discussed Wednesday night. We talked about Florida, Georgia, Stanford, and Oregon, uh, a game that, that people thought would be interesting. But Stanford's a four-loss team now. They're not very good. Oregon seems to to beat up on teams sometimes that, that they're just totally better than, than Stanford has no offense. And, and the committee is putting Oregon up there into the category of being a top-four team, and they're forgiving a loss to an unranked team at home to Arizona. And I just – sometimes I wonder, you know, they, they want to get as many people as they can in this committee other than the SEC. I get that. You want to spread the love a little bit. But if you think Oregon should be – deserving of getting a loss dropped, losing to an unranked team at home. Come on. I mean, I don't. But that's just me personally. It doesn't mean they're not a good football team. But I think if you're a Final Four playoff contender, you cannot lose at home to unranked teams. Now, if if Oregon lost uh, a top-ten matchup against a, a top-ten team at home, you know, a close game, that's a little different. But when you're playing at home and you're a – a 24, 28-point favorite, you should never lose. And I'm sorry, that just shouldn't happen at all. But it did. But, you know, for some reason, the world's ready to forgive them and put them in the Final Four. But how are they going to do on the road at Utah this weekend? That's the question. How's Oregon going to play against a physical football team that can play defense on the road? We're going to find out, not taking any way, anything away from the Ducks. I know we have some, a lot of Duck fans that listen to the show and one's listening right now. Your Ducks are a good football team, but I'm not ready to say they're national championship worthy just yet. Let me see them play a couple more. Kansas State, uh, the number nine team in the country, you know, they took care of business against Oklahoma State. That wasn't even close. UCLA took care of Arizona. UCLA, that was a great game. I actually stayed up and watched that. That's a started at 10:30 Eastern. UCLA's defense rose up in the second half, shut down Arizona. And one of the best games of the day, West Virginia TCU. We'll talk about that. TCU went on the road, and West Virginia had this game won. And they go into a a, a slow-down prevent offense, not a defense, an offense where they try to run the ball up the middle and burn some clock. Well, you, you can't do that if you're going to win football games. I'm sorry. You're at home. You have a chance to end this game, and you didn't do it. You gave TCU a chance to come back and win the game. They did. They took advantage of your dumbness. And I see this happening a lot all over college football. Teams struggle to play with leads. They don't know how to win. And I don't think West Virginia knows how to win football games against big competition. They they played against Alabama early in the season. They choked. They had a chance to be there at the end. They couldn't catch a pass. And now against TCU, 
the play calling and the clock management was terrible. And that doesn't mean West Virginia is not a good team. It just means they they found a way to lose that game. They were afraid to lose it, and they didn't know how to win it. And I just scratch my head sometimes. But the world is ready. They're giving TCU some love right now. They're ready to anoint them into the Final Four. But I still have a lot of issues with TCU losing to Baylor, Uh, a Baylor team that I think is very soft, not physical, they can't play defense. You blow a, a three-touchdown lead and you lose the ball game. And I I have a problem with that. I'm sorry, I do. I, I have a problem with blowing a lead like that against Baylor in seven minutes and, and losing that game. So TCU hosts Kansas State this coming up weekend. That's going to be a great game. Kansas State is a five-point underdog right now. So, so we'll see. Before we get to Coach Lett right quick, Want to go to the polls. He'll be on in hopefully in the next five minutes or so. Looking at the AP polls coming out, we have the committee coming Tuesday night. I'm putting it to the AP right now. Mississippi State, number one. We all thought they would be Florida State's two. But there's a team that's gaining ground on Florida State. Auburn Tigers at number three. Alabama at number four. Oregon five. TCU six. Michigan State seven. Notre Dame eight. Kansas State 9 and Baylor 10. So how in the world is is Notre Dame ranked number 8 right now? I mean, you look at their wins, they they almost lost to Navy last night. They really hadn't beaten anybody. They beat a a four-loss Stanford team. I guess you can count that as a a quality win. But why does Notre Dame get love over an Arizona State team, which, which they play this weekend, actually? Arizona State's a slight favorite at home against Notre Dame. Ohio State at 13, and that's what I want to talk about tonight. The one-loss teams out here that that everybody you know wants to to have a discussion about who deserves this, who deserves that, and and really is is deserve a good word. I think I think deserve is a good word because if you look at Ohio State, you look at Nebraska. I heard a lot of complaints today that Ole Miss is ranked 12th. And you have Ohio State 13th, and you have Nebraska 15th. Okay, I, I understand some of your arguments. You know, how can Ole Miss lose two games and be ranked ahead of of a one-loss Big Ten powerhouse, right? Well, Ole Miss beat Alabama, and they beaten Texas A&M. They beaten some other teams. And let's look at Ohio State right now with a seven and one record. Let me see if I can count right. A seven and one record. So they played eight games. And I want you to guess, out of those eight games, how many ranked teams have they played so far? Zero. Nada. None. They're, they're seven and one right now. They played the Sisters of the Poor every game this year almost. They lost at home a night game. At home, let me stress, at night, ABC televised this. Virginia Tech came into your house beat you, and Virginia Tech couldn't beat the Citadel right now. So you're beating your chest right now. You're feeling disrespected, Ohio State, and you want to you want to complain and cry, and you beat Navy, Kent State, Cincinnati, Maryland, Rutgers, Penn State in overtime. Wow, that's a good win. Illinois. I mean, I've named these powerhouses right here, and you want to complain. Well, let's look over to the mighty Nebraska Cornhuskers. They're 8-1, I believe. 
guess how many ranked teams they've played this year? One, and they lost that game. And they look, I mean, the score, don't, don't let the score fool you. Michigan State was up by three touchdowns in that game and kind of let it get away a little late, played in a prevent defense. But Nebraska's beaten some teams like Florida Atlantic, McNeese State. They had to score a 70-yard touchdown at the end of regulation to win that one. Fresno State, they did beat Miami, I'll give them that. Illinois, Northwestern, Rutgers, Purdue. And you want to talk about your team with one loss should be up here in a conversation. Well, at least Oregon beat Michigan State like a drum. They beat UCLA. They beat Stanford. They beat Cal. They beat Washington. I mean, at least Oregon has a resume that I can sit here and look at. And if you look at Auburn one-loss teams, they played four teams in the top 15, and they, they're three and one. They lost to Mississippi State, the number one team in the country, and they beat Ole Miss on the road which was number four in the committee this past weekend. They beat Kansas State, which is a top-ten team on the road. They beat LSU 41-7 to at home, which LSU's ranked uh, number 15 right now. So all I'm saying is you, you want to talk about one-loss teams and you want to say you deserve to be there. And I, that's why I'm trying to tell people, Ohio State, Look, you may have improved since you got beat by a junior college team, but that's okay. You improved. Does that mean you're worthy? I don't care about your tradition. I don't care about history. I don't care about who your coach is. All I know is every time you play a big game, you lose, and you don't ever play any big games. You play the Sisters of the Poor every weekend. At least Ole Miss has two losses, but they've beaten some very good teams, and they lost. A, a tough game on the road at Baton Rouge at night, a, a, a place where nobody comes out alive usually. And they lost Auburn on the on the last play really last night. They could have went either way. So you want me to penalize Ole Miss and you want me to drop them down because you beat Purdue, because you beat Kent State, and you run up the score on them, really? I, I, just, I just don't think people understand your schedule matters, and the committee is trying to make this this presence known here. They're trying to let you know that, that your schedule is going to kill you. Look at Baylor. Baylor plays a couple of good games in conference, but they play nobody. I mean nobody in the regular season out of conference. The weakest out-of-conference schedule you can probably see, and that's why the committee is like, no, Baylor, you lost, you lost a game you're not in. They beat SMU. They beat Northwestern State. They beat Buffalo. They beat Iowa State. They beat Texas. They beat TCU, and they gave up 60 points doing it. They lost to West Virginia by 14 points, and they beat Kansas yesterday. So their next chance is playing an Oklahoma team on the road that's already lost too. If you win that game, is that going to get your credibility back? And then they play Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Kansas State. If they go to Oklahoma and win, and they beat Texas or they beat Kansas State, uh, I'll start buying into them a little bit more. But until then, the committee tried to tell you that, that you're not even close right now to to being where you need to be. And it's because of that out-of-conference schedule. People people dog the SEC about their out-of-conference schedule, but if you, you actually look at the SEC's out-of-conference schedule, it's a lot stronger than most teams out there, especially the bigger teams. But playing Buffalo and more, I didn't even know Northwestern State had a football team. But the, when you look at the polls, you, you can't just drop a team down a lot because they lose a football game. You have to look at the conditions. You have to look at who the opponent was, 
how the game was. If you watched Ole Miss Auburn last night, what you realize is those two teams are almost identical. They're even. They could have gone either way. Auburn didn't dominate that game. Ole Miss didn't dominate it. A, a turnover, you know, cost a, cost Ole Miss the game and an injury. You know, it's just it's the way it goes in college football. But you have to put yourself in a position to lose sometimes. You have to play teams that can't beat you to get respect. And, and you know, not tooting Auburn's horn, but, my gosh, they played four teams in the top 15. And, and they're 3-1 and one right now. And, and three of those games have been on the road. Three of those four games against top 15 teams have been on the road, and they've won three of them. Yeah, Mississippi State beat us, and, and that's what happened. But at least there's a resume there, something to look at and say, well, yeah, we have to reward them for, for beating Kansas State on the road. We have to reward them for beating Ole Miss on the road. And even though you lose to Mississippi State, it's still respectable. You saw after Auburn lost to Mississippi State, they were number three in the committee after beating a South Carolina team by by just seven points. So it's not like they dominated them or anything, but they got a win. They moved on. And and there's some interesting key matchups next weekend. And, and you know what? You know, I bashed Ohio State tonight. That doesn't mean they can't go out on the road next week and beat Michigan State. That's not what it's about. I just don't want to hear people crying about why their team's not getting respect right now. If you want respect, play some teams that are, are good and, and beat the teams, the good ones you play. So this is Ohio State's one and only opportunity this season to get some respect. Can they go to Michigan State in a revenge game next weekend and win? We, we shall see. And you're listening to Weigh In Sports Talk live on blogtalkradio.com. Please give us a call, 646-716-5564, if you'd like to chime in on this weekend's game. So I'm still waiting for Coach to call in. We'll get that started as soon as he he gets here. He did tell me to send him a message to remind him closer to game time. I'm sure being a college football coach, it's, it's kind of difficult to keep up with him. But we got him now in the studio. I'm going to bring him on. Coach Derek Lett from the Tennessee Volunteers. Coach, great to have you on. Hope all's going good for you. Great to be on. Everything is going really well right now. Well, you know, Coach, I was watching your Tennessee Vols play last night after that crazy Auburn Ole Miss game, and, you know, you got down by 14 at the end. Tell us, Coach, what, what, what was going on on the sidelines and everything when you got down by 14, which – which allowed you to come back and get that huge road win last night. Well, the biggest thing we told our guys was just keep plugging, keep plugging with uh, football awards, the guys that are in shape, and just keep plugging, keep plugging, keep plugging. And we knew, and we just keep swinging. Finally, we are the football guys to give us a break. And uh, we caught a couple breaks, made some plays at the end. And uh, our guys are resilient. We never gave up. And we preach 60 minutes, and it took a little bit more than 60 minutes, but that's one thing we preach in our program is playing to the very last whistle. And uh, our guys never wavered, and we believed that we would score every time we got the ball. So that was our mindset the whole time. Well, Coach, going back and watching that game, one thing that stood out to me is a beast you have at the quarterback position in Dobbs. And, and and what a difference a year makes. I remember Dobbs going out to Tuscaloosa last year, making his first collegiate start. He he looked good at times. He struggled. He came in last last week against Alabama, 
gave a spark to the team and it carried over this week. I mean, how good is this kid? I, I was very impressed with what he's done over the last two weeks. Dobbs is a student of the game. He's he's done a very phenomenal job getting faster, getting bigger. He's put on about 16 pounds from last year, so he's a lot stronger, which uh, helps him a lot with uh, all the runs that we're doing. And just a year playing behind Worley these last eight weeks, he's really learned a lot. He's really dived in the film. So uh, Dobbs is a playmaker, and, uh, and y'all can see it every uh, when he's been out there the last couple of weeks. He does some things that are with his legs that you can't coach. He has that ability, and uh, he's a great, great, great kid. Uh, still young, still got some things we want to clean up, but he's very talented. He's a competitor. That's the biggest thing. He's a competitor, and he believes that he's the best, and he's always, always trying to make the right play. He's really, really smart. He's going to school to be an astronaut and build spaceships, so he's really, really, really smart. So that's one thing that he has on his side, so. But Dow's done a phenomenal job. He's a great spark to the to the offense and to the team. And uh he did a great job last night. Well coach, you you're in your your second full year going on now with this new coaching staff bringing in your players and everything. How do you feel now today compared to maybe let's say the first of this year when you were just starting out with a young team? How much have you guys progressed? Well, when we uh, opened up the season with 22 freshmen uh, for the first time playing collegiate football, we didn't know who we were going to get. Like, we didn't know if they were going to be shell-shocked, how they are going to react with the live bullets and things of that nature. But uh, they really, really, in these last eight weeks, really, really progressed. You can see the development and maturity of these kids week by week. And it's a phenomenal thing to see as they progress each week in practice. And that's just the guys that we brought in, how we recruited them and our type of guys, and they compete with each other every single day in practice. And the scenes that we have now, the uh, the A.J. Johnsons, the Justin Worley's, they, uh, they've been bringing them along too as well. And practices are fine now. Guys are competing every snap. We do a lot of ones-on-ones, good versus good, red zone, third down drills, things like that. And our guys are just competing each week with the young cats. And they're really, really taking the bull by the horn and uh, – Another thing about our, our the, the young cast that we, we brought in, the young players, excuse me, uh, they all come from winning programs, so they're used to winning, and they, they they don't like losing. So they're really doing everything they can every Saturday to win, and that's one thing that we, we really, 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 really love about these two recruiting classes we brought in. Well, Coach, I, I've looked at your schedule, and it's, it's a gauntlet. Week in and week out, you're playing somebody – ranked or, or something, how do you go about in practice or how do you stay healthy in practice? Are you hitting very hard or, or how do you make it through a gauntlet season to, to be fresh at this time of year where you can make a run to, to you know, make a bowl game and carry some momentum over for next year? Well, we, we've hit hard uh, this this whole season of rest and recovery, rest and recovery. So we're doing extra uh, ice baths, massages, Stretching sessions, we do, we change the way I practice the structure a little bit to get guys a little bit more time with the trainers, times with the nutritioner. And uh, what we do is we track every day how many miles each guy's running, how many calories they're burning. Every little thing that we could track scientifically, we track so we could keep a keep an update of every single player and what's going on with his body. And uh, you're right, it's a gauntlet. We went through October, man, and it seemed like every <laughs> week, every week we were playing a. Uh, a top ten opponent, and uh, I think 
uh, somebody we we had this one stat that in the first twenty games we played here at the staff, ten of them were in the top ten. So <laughs> that's what we signed up for. That's the the beast of the SEC, and uh, we knew it coming in, and we uh we thrive on it, and we love it. And our young cats they love playing uh the so called best uh, each week. Well, Coach, I, I hear a lot of complaints out there, like just off of Tennessee just for a second. Like Ole Miss is a 7-2 and two team right now. They, they've they lost two, but why are they ranked ahead of a one-loss Ohio State team or a one-loss Nebraska team, which neither one of those teams have played a ranked team? Tell, how important is that your schedule? Because sometimes you can't look at a team just by wins and losses, but you look at it by the quality of opponent they're playing. And you talk about your schedule – Every week you're playing a top ten team. I mean, how much of a difference does that make? I, I think it's a huge difference. Uh, the Big Ten they, they have great teams in in, uh, in their conference. Every conference has their uh, their big dogs. Well, the SEC man, every week is kill or be killed. Every week is uh, is a championship game. No matter how, no matter where you're at in SEC East or SEC West. All 14 teams got big-time players and are big-time programs, and you can lose any week in the SEC. And uh, Ole Miss is a very, very, very good team, and I'll put them up against anybody as well as other one-loss, two-loss teams in the SEC because it is very, very tough to go through it. An eight- to ten-week gauntlet of SEC teams week in and week out. And uh, I'm pretty sure there's schools in other conferences that uh, can play, can uh, come in and play play ball with us, but it's very tough to go week in and week out. How is it with some of the young kids you've had on the team? You talked about all the freshmen. You you look good against Oklahoma on the road, you know, a number four team at the time. You turned around and two weeks later you almost beat Georgia. And I think after that Georgia game, maybe against the Florida game that following week, you guys were amped up a little bit maybe. How how, how do you – how do you deal with these freshmen and teaching them about winning and losing in this SEC? Because I know it can be frustrating when you're playing these top ten teams and maybe sometimes being kids they don't understand just how much better they're getting. And, and you can't just judge it by the wins or losses sometimes. Well, Coach Jones and, and the staff, we do a phenomenal job making sure to, after each game, win or lose, especially the freshmen, they see the good that they're doing and how two weeks ago they, they didn't make this play, but this week they did make this play. So we make sure we harp on the good and the bad so they can see it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Rome wasn't built in one day, all those cliches. But uh, and we just make sure they know it's a process, it's a process, it's a process. And each each week, each day, we're getting better, better and better. And uh, our theme for the whole team was just one, one week at a time, one day at a time, one rep at a time, one snap at a time. And that's what, that's what we're focusing on right now especially with our young cats. They can't – we don't want them to look at the whole big 12-week schedule. We got Florida, then Georgia, then Oklahoma, then that and that. We want them to look at, okay, right now I got one rep. I'm going to do great at that. I got one workout. I'm going to do great at that. I got one meal. I'm eating the best meal ever. I got one night of sleep. So we're focusing on one, one, one. And our, our freshmen have done a phenomenal job with that mentality, and uh, that's helped us and helped them get through this gauntlet of an SEC schedule. Well, Coach, I, I've seen it, and, and you know, I've been talking about you guys about every week, following you close. 
And what kind of message would it send? You you have three games left. You get this bye week to spend some time with the family to heal up and reflect and focus on what you have left. You have three games, and I think all of them are winnable. But, again, they're SEC games, and they're all tough. What would it mean to to finish 6-6, six 7-5, and six, seven and five, make a bowl game? What kind of message would that send? Well, we want to send that message loud and clear. Ball Nation deserves a bowl game. These seniors deserve a bowl game. And uh, the message would be that Tennessee's on the right path. We're coming back to where we need to be uh, with the recruiting classes we're bringing in. We're uh, right now assembling our national championship team right now as we speak. So that's the message we want to send, that we are getting better each week, each season. And Tennessee is on its way back to its rightful place. That's one of the top programs in all of college football. And uh, a bowl game is the goal, but you can't get the six without getting the four. So we just got four, but you can't get the six without getting the five. So now we got to get five. And we need Neal and Rocket here in two weeks when Kentucky comes to town. So we need 102-455 there here in two weeks to help us get number five. Coach, you talk about Kentucky. I mean, that's a team that, that's not ranked right now, but if, if, if anybody doesn't give – a great effort and execute right. Kentucky will come in and beat anyone. So, so how do you get? How, how's your next two weeks going to be in preparing for Kentucky? Kentucky's a very young and talented team, much like ourselves. They have very young, young players in some skill spots that can make plays offensively and defensively. And uh, we're going to spend the next next two weeks healing some bumps and bruises, uh, figuring out what we need to do schematically and things of that nature. We're still in the process of uh, finishing up this game. With it being about a week, uh, the coaches took a day off. Took my kids to Chuck E. Cheese, so haven't dove into Kentucky uh-huh. too much. But uh, watching them on film, they have some talent. Uh, it's like right off the top of my head, JoJo Kemp, the running back. He's a, f- a phenom back there, and uh, he can make some plays with the ball in his hand. And uh, they're playing. They're playing really good ball right now. They're playing hard. They're playing tough. They're playing fast. They're playing with confidence. Something that you haven't seen in a few years with Kentucky. They believe every Saturday they can win now, and that's a scary thing. So uh, we got to, like I said, we got to have Neyland Rocking here in two weeks and use that home field advantage of the 102-455. Yeah, I've been to Neyland, and it's a very loud, hostile place. And, and Coach, just your thoughts real quick on this four-team playoff committee, and I guess what are your thoughts on having four teams now available to – to see and 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 how do you like this method compared to the BCS method? Well, it's a system that we have now in place, but it's a good system. I think we'll see how it works out. No matter what, it's always going to be if you put four teams in, it's always going to be team number five complaining. You put six teams in, it's always going to be team number seven. Uh, the good thing about it is you do you do get to see it settled on the field per se, but. Uh, for the most part, I think each year the, the the top two or three teams always come out where they need to come out. If, uh, the best teams always rise to the top at the end of the year. And uh, no matter what system you got, I think the BCS got it right for the most part throughout its, uh, throughout its years. And I think the playoffs is going to be a great, great deal. I think it's very hard not to say two, maybe three SC teams don't belong in there because uh, – it's some very, very, very good one-loss SEC teams, even two-loss SEC teams out there that on any given, any given Saturday could beat any team in the country. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they want to be politically correct. But, but you know, talking about Ole Miss, um, 
I want to talk about them before we go, Coach. Treadwell, um, you get to you got to play against him this year. A phenomenal wide receiver that went out for the season with a broke leg, a dislocated ankle. How does a team? How does that affect a team in the locker room once they see that? Maybe they lose their second game. They could be out of it. How does Ole Miss respond the rest of the season? You think losing their player, losing their best player? You can go two ways. You can either sink or you can rally around that and use it as a rally cry. And that's going to be based on the leaders in the locker room and the leaders on the coaching staff. And uh, playing against Ole Miss, Treadwell was uh, – I made it a point, being a receiver coach, I made it a point to watch him a little bit. And he, he's a, a rare talent. He, uh, he had a pretty good game against us. He's a very, very good football player. And uh, Ole Miss is going to miss him. But uh, they got other guys out there that could uh, like the scoreboard up as well. But if the seniors rally around farewell and, and play with a purpose, it shouldn't bring them, bring them down at all. And uh, they're very talented. And I don't think they'll waver. Of course, you can't replace a well, a guy like that. But with the right leadership and the right coaching staff and the right message, you just keep on plugging. Because no team's going to feel sorry for you that uh, that's the best players out. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, it's just an example of, of when you're in this conference, you know, Ole Miss, a two-loss team. But how – I mean, this is a very, very good football team that's a couple of plays away from being undefeated right now. And when I say a couple of plays, that's all I mean. Two plays. In two plays, they would be undefeated right now. That's the difference of win or lo- winning or losing in this league, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy. They're, they're one, they beat Alabama, who's a very, 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 very good team. Uh, they uh, they were uh, – uh, a broken angle away from winning last night. I mean, like you said, just two plays away from winning, and that's just the nature of the SEC. Like, we're four points away from being, what, 6-2 and two right now? I mean, yep. it, it, it's nuts. But that, that's what's great about the SEC. Same thing that'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry, and that, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, that's, what, that's why they see the best conference in the country, because every Saturday is championship Saturday. Yeah, but if you don't bring it, Coach, you're probably not going to come out of that locker room. You're not going to go back into that locker room victorious. And, and it's it's fun, like you said. It's it makes you laugh, but it also will make you cry when you when you do play bad. It's just a bipolar league. You never know who's going to come to play that weekend. But Coach, I want to wish you luck the rest of the season, and hopefully we can get you back on. I know you're busy, and thanks for coming tonight. But hopefully we can get you on before the season's over with. And and talk about this seven and five season y'all are about to wrap up and, and make a good bowl game. But thanks again for coming on. We really enjoy having you. Uh, thanks for having me. Sounds good. We'll uh, definitely do it again. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Coach Derek Lett, uh, assistant coach for the Tennessee Volunteers. Huge win in Columbia last night, sending their team into a bye week with a lot of momentum, a time to reflect, like he said, to heal up and uh, to get ready for the final three games. And they play Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri. And I'm telling you, if if teams don't prepare for these teams, they're going to lose. You have Missouri. uh, They've lost one in the SEC right now. They're the leader in the East. They play Kentucky, a team that pushed Mississippi State to the limit. And then Vanderbilt, that's a rival game. You never know. But I'm going to predict Tennessee to go 7-5. and That's what I had them predicted to go with a very young team. And I've been saying it all along, next year is going to be a year where all of these freshmen that have gotten tons of playing time, the sophomores, 
They're going to all be experienced. They're going to all know what it's like to lose, and they're going to know what it's be like to win, too. I, I remember in 2010, the Auburn team that had 30 seniors on it, that, you know, they went three and nine. They they struggled, but, but once they got some experience under their belt, they started winning some football games. So just great to have Coach Led on, and, again, a huge win on the road at Columbia. And, guys, that takes us before we go. We're going to talk about the Auburn-Ole Miss game last night. Uh, my blood pressure still a little bit up from that game, but it was a phenomenal game. Ole Miss came to play. Auburn came to play. It just seems like the more the game went on, the more the defenses couldn't stop the offenses. And it was a game where Auburn had 150 yards of penalties. Very frustrating, and it's almost impossible to win on the road or even at home with 150 yards of penalties. But I'll credit Nick Marshall and that offense for making some huge plays at, at some huge times, third downs. They started in the second half, uh, moving the ball, getting some first downs. They Their defense couldn't stop Ole Miss. These receivers for Ole Miss were just too big, too fast, too strong, and we just couldn't seem to, to get them off the field. And then – you know, the frustration penalties coming in when you can't stop someone, you start getting 15-yard flags thrown on you. That didn't help. That didn't make the coaching staff happy. But it, like I said, it was a, a back-and-forth game. Ole Miss got up by 10 at one point. Auburn scored the next 14 to go up by four. And then after that, it was just a seesaw battle. Who had the ball last? Ole Miss had it last, but they ran out of time. But they played a phenomenal football game, and that's why, people, Ole Miss didn't drop in the polls too far. I mean, they're still at number, what did I see them ranked, number 12. They did fall a little bit. You can't fault a team for losing to number to three uh, by four points on the last play where you fumbled. So that's what I'm trying to tell people. Ole Miss is 7-2 and two right now. They have a chance to win out and and get back to business. If they finish 10-2 and two with an Egg Bowl victory, there's an outside chance that they could make the SEC championship game or they'll make a New Year's Day bowl game that the selection committee will select, actually. So, Ole Miss, your season's not over. Just because you don't make a playoff doesn't mean that your season's over. So just keep playing in there, hanging in there, playing hard. Treadwell is a player that got hurt at the end of the game that we discussed with Coach Lett. Uh, phenomenal catch, yards after the catch, and he made it to the end zone. But the only problem was the ball came out before he crossed the plane. Casanova McKenzie jumped on it in the end zone and and recovered it. So it was a it was a game where you know I know as an Auburn fan it could have went either way. I'm not over here proud. I'm proud that we won, but I also humbled to know that we could have easily lost that game. But it was a, a great win. Auburn with 250 yards rushing, about 250 yards passing. They did get over 500 yards of total offense on a very, very good defense. Bo Wallace played like the good Bo. He he had 360 yards passing. He gave his team a chance to win. And like I said, Ole Miss had a lot of injuries, and and they battled through it. And they, they kept fighting and fighting. But anytime you go on the road, it's, it's tough. I don't care what conference you play in. I don't care where it's at. You go on the road, you're very happy that you get a win. And you don't care how many points it's by. You don't care how you looked. You won the game. You move on, and you go from there. Well, before we go tonight, I want to project 
what I think the committee is going to have this Tuesday night for us. And uh, I wrote it. I'm trying to pull it back up on Facebook. Uh, I wrote it out. And the committee is going to, you know, people think Alabama is going to be up in the top five this week. And and we'll see. But the only bad thing is they didn't play this week, which they can't help. It's just the way it schedules. But Mississippi State won. I think the committee will keep Mississippi State there, even though Florida State beat Louisville. The question is, will Auburn leapfrog Florida State? And like I said, they they played four top 15 teams, three been on the road, and they won three of them. Um, I don't think they will. Florida State will be the number two team. If they are number three, it wouldn't surprise me. But I'm going to say right now they're going to keep them at two because they're undefeated. Auburn three. Oregon will climb up into the top four with Ole Miss going out. But the surprise, I think, the surprise will be TCU will jump up to number five after going on the road and beating West Virginia, Alabama six. I'm going to put Kansas State up to seven with the committee. This is a committee. Michigan State eight. Ole Miss will still be in the top ten at number nine. And then I'll put Notre Dame at ten. And this is what I'm interested to see. With Ole Miss losing two now, how far the committee will drop them? Will they just put them all the way to the back and let them build their way up? But I'm thinking you can't really – what kind of message are you sending if you put Ole Miss down 10 or 15 spots because they lost the game versus number three? Remember, this was three versus four in the committee. And I don't think Ole Miss is going to be penalized or fumbling a ball at the end of the game than losing. I mean, it's just inches. I mean, it was less than inches almost. So I'm going to keep Ole Miss in the top ten. And, and I, I mean, Tuesday night we're going to find out. But Florida State, how impressed will the committee be them getting down 21 to nothing and coming back on the road to a Louisville team that, that was 25th ranked? Or would they be more impressed that Auburn went on the road to number four and put 500 yards and 35 points on them? That's that's yet to be seen. That's going to be the interesting part of the committee. But don't be surprised, like I said, if TCU slides up to number five and they play Kansas State this weekend in Texas, and if anybody can beat TCU in Texas is Kansas State. This team – is a very balanced team. They can run, throw. Their defense is, is very, very feisty. They they play hard. They don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. Interested to see how Texas how Texas Christian plays after all of these games in a row. And the Big 12 is a very good conference, by the way. So they've been playing these games back to back to back, and now they come back home. If they don't play good, Kansas State will roll them. You heard it here first. This won't even be a game if TCU doesn't play well. But I, I, I suspect this is going to come down, just like the West Virginia game, to the fourth quarter. And what happens there is who wants it the most. And sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way, as we saw um, last night with Ole Miss. Some, some nights you're just not good. You know, you're just you're going to turn the ball over. It's not going to be your night. But some nights it will. And we'll see. I was trying to preview some of the big matchups for next weekend real quick before we go. we got some top 25 matchups coming up. If I could ever hit the right button on my computer. We have uh, Georgia goes to Kentucky. Uh, here's a tough one, Ole Miss Presbyterian. Ole Miss really needs Presbyterian right now. 
to heal up and, and kind of rest to get ready. Oklahoma hosts Baylor. That's a huge game in the Big 12. It's bigger for Baylor than it is Oklahoma since they've lost two. I'm sure that'll make Trey's top ten list Wednesday night. Notre Dame goes on the road to Arizona State. Like I said, Arizona State's a one-and-a-half point favorite. Texas A&M comes to Jordan-Hare. 3.30 Eastern Tuesday or Saturday on CBS. Auburn's a 21-point favorite in that game. That's, that's a lot of points. Texas-West Virginia will be a good one. Let's see, Washington-UCLA. And like I said, TCU-Kansas State, a night game in TCU. TCU's a five-point favorite. LSU-Alabama, the 8 o'clock game on CBS. Alabama's a six-point favorite on the road at night. That's going to be a tough one. I can't wait for that one. And also at 8 o'clock, Michigan State is at home against Ohio State. Michigan State's a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. And last but not least, the Oregon Ducks travel to Utah at night, 10 o'clock, to play. And Oregon's a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. But don't be surprised if if Utah – beats Oregon with how physical they play up front. So I'm excited to see that game, and there's a lot of them next weekend. And remember, this is November. It's time to separate the men from the boys. And if you want it, you're going to have to earn it on that field. If you want to make the playoff, you're going to have to you're going to have to bleed. You're going to have to hurt. You're going to have to cry. You're going to have to endure a lot of pain because the only teams that will make this, for the most part, are the teams that are battle-tested and have fought to the very end. I'm excited to see. I mean, will Auburn make the Final Four? Don't know. I can't even think that far ahead right now. I'm I'm still worried about Texas A&M right now. So take it a week at a time, everybody out there. We won't go too far ahead. And we'll see you Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Everybody, have my grandparents listening tonight. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys had fun. Thanks for supporting the show. Quinn, Jason, Coach Led, everybody in the chat room, thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you Wednesday. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies.